0: Well, it's a joyful assembly here this morning, isn't it? That last song and Hebrews 12, 22, I thought it went together very well. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 12, 22, it talks about marching to Zion. And it's a, a verse that comes a couple of verses before the text this morning. The text this morning is from Hebrews 12, 24, and 25. The title of the message is Listen to the Speaking Blood. Uh, Verse 24 is the end of a long sentence that includes marching to Zion and angels and how wonderful we have it here as Christians who believe in Jesus compared to in the Old Testament when the law was given. And on the mountain there, uh, people were so scared to even get close to it. They didn't want to march up on that mountain because it was just terrifying. And if anyone got close to it, even if an animal got close to it, they died. And so those are the verses right before Hebrews twelve twenty two. But we we've come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You've come I stumbled across these verses some weeks ago when I was studying uh, Hebrews 13. Some of you were here a number of weeks ago when we looked at Hebrews 13 and how Jesus is unchanging, and we can just trust in him to be the same today, yesterday and forever. And I was thinking about how this book of Hebrews has so many uh, better things in it. There's a better covenant, there's better blood better sacrifice, Jesus is better than the angels, Jesus is better than Aaron the high priest, Jesus is better than Moses. We have so much of a better life, we can't even imagine the difference in our lives as Christians compared to not being a Christian. And the blood of Jesus is speaking. And the blood of Abel from the Old Testament It's still speaking. In fact, if you go to the beginning of Hebrews 12, um, I'm sorry, the beginning of, of chapter 11, where it's talking about all the heroes of faith of the Old Testament, it says in verse 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So Abel's life and his sacrifice of blood for his sins is still speaking to us today, telling us that we need a sacrifice of blood for our sins. But Abel's blood itself was also speaking. And woo, I'm getting ahead of my story. That, that's in Genesis 4. Abel's blood was speaking. And it spoke very loudly, so loudly that it was heard in heaven. This is a, a very sad story about Abel. Uh, but our writer here in Hebrews twelve twenty four says that the blood of Jesus that was sprinkled on the cross is speaking better things than the blood of Abel that was speaking out of the ground so loudly that God heard Abel's blood in heaven. And he came down and talked to Cain and said, I hear Abel's blood speaking from the ground. It was, it was quite an amazing thing. So today we're going to go back to the story of Abel and look at his blood and listen to what it's speaking we're going to go to Jesus' blood and listen to what it's speaking, try to compare the two. What was Abel's blood saying from the ground? What was Jesus' blood saying? I don't know all of what these things were saying, but I have a few ideas, and the Holy Spirit is here today to teach each of us and help us to listen to what the blood is speaking. So listen to the speaking blood this morning. That is our challenge. If you have your Bibles uh, to Hebrews 12, let's stand together. I'm going to read a, a number of verses, including our text verses. I'm going to start with uh, Hebrews twelve fourteen and read on down through verse 25. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:15 Looking carefully lest any one fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright for you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought it diligently with tears for you have not come to a mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, that's us here today, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this passage of scripture from Hebrews. We thank you that you're still speaking today through your word, through your Holy Spirit, and through the blood of Jesus, through the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the plan of Jesus. Thank you that that plan includes us, every person born into the world, created in your image. Every one of us are commanded to listen to Jesus, and today we want to especially think about his blood and what it's saying to us today. So help us with our listening, help us to not only hear with our ears, but with our heart, with our lives. And carry out what you are telling us today. In Jesus' name, amen. May be seated. Blood is very important. If you lose enough blood, you lose life. Blood is very important because life is very important. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to meet a man that was uh, cutting firewood for, for uh, the winter time, And he's quite good at it. He's done it for many years. He's older than I am. And for you uh, children, that's, that's pretty old, isn't it? And he's, he had good equipment. He had a $1,000 chainsaw with a very sharp blade. And he'd been cutting wood before. But anyway, I met him. He had this towel wrapped around his thigh. And it had some red stains on it. And his his chainsaw had connected with his leg. And over the next couple hours, we got acquainted and he told me about his chainsaw. He told me the model and the make, which I don't remember the exact exact details of it, but it was a $1,000 chainsaw, very valuable to him. One time it fell off his pickup truck and, and he didn't realize it and he put out a $50 award like people put out for their pets to get this chainsaw. Anyway, eventually he got it back and, and he used it uh, yesterday, but it kind of uh, did a number on him. But he, he didn't bleed too much and he stopped the bleeding. Every four years, I go to a class called Advanced Trauma Life Support. And one of the big things that's emphasized in there is stop the bleeding. Because if you bleed too much, you lose your life. And they mentioned in that course that we can bleed to death in different ways. We can bleed to death in our chest, in our abdomen, in our pelvis. If you break both legs, both femurs are broken. In certain car wrecks, there can be a loss of life by bleeding into uh, both legs. And then the one that often is forgotten is that you can also bleed into the ground. So turn the trauma victim over and look for bleeding and stop bleeding because while you're trying to do all the other things to help them, they may be bleeding into the ground. Abel bled into the ground and died. Jesus bled into the ground and died. Their blood is still speaking today is what our text is saying. What is their blood saying? And how is Jesus' blood speaking better things than Abel's blood is? This is an exciting message. This is good news. Abel's blood in the ground was terrible news. Terrible news for Cain. Jesus' blood into the ground is great news for all of us. So let's get going. First, we have to look at Abel's story and that's in uh, Genesis chapter 4. Abel's blood went into the ground and he died. And it was a terrible story. This may be the first death of a human. At least it's the first recorded death in the Bible. And it's also the first murder. It was a terrible way for the first human to die. Adam and Eve were created not to die. They were created to live forever. But they sinned. And God told them, if you sin, if you disobey me, you will die. Satan said, no, you won't die. God doesn't know what he's talking about. You'll be fine. In fact, you'll be better off. And so they listened to Satan and they died. They died spiritually and eventually they died physically. But before they died, they had to... uh, suffer the loss of their son. Genesis 4, 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the first fruit of his flock, And of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass that when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. I don't know how much time is between verse 8 and verse 9. Was it 10 minutes? Was it an hour? Was it a week or two? I gather from the next verses that follow that somehow Cain killed Abel in such a way that maybe he bled out. Maybe he cut him with some sharp instrument that he used in his farming. I'm not sure. I also suspect that Cain may have buried his brother's body. So under the ground, in the ground, was was uh, the body of Abel and the blood of Abel. See what you think as we read on. Verse 8 was, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Verse 9, the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Cain said, I do not know. That was a straight out lie, wasn't it? Am I my brother's keeper? I wonder if his body wasn't real close to where they were talking. And maybe it just finished covering it up. God said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him. Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, a protection, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Abel's blood spoke loudly. So loudly that it was heard different places, including it was heard in heaven by God. It was certainly heard in Cain's conscience as he was having the conversation with God. He was remembering his brother. And maybe Adam and Eve, and maybe all of us, in fact, we're able to listen to what it was saying. What do you think the blood of Abel was saying? Well, if we fast forward, we read that God said later that the life is in the blood and that he that sheds blood of a person His blood needs to be shed for payment. God has a high price on blood and on life, and on blood because it represents life. I think there was a cry that may have sounded something like this There is a guilty murderer who shed this blood. There is a need for justice, there is a need for vengeance. Cain was guilty of death. You notice God didn't say, your punishment is that you're going to die. But Cain said, I'm going to get killed. The first person who meets me with this revealed that I, I killed my brother, they're going to kill me. God in his mercy came and talked to Cain. He could have struck Cain right there with death. God in his mercy set a mark on Cain to give him a chance to live his life and to seek God. God in his mercy limited how much punishment Cain had. And yet the voice of his brother crying out was, it's really a sad voice, isn't it? It's a voice, it's blood that cries out justice, vengeance, How about Jesus' blood? I'm getting into the next part of the message already. Jesus' blood says pardon. Jesus' voice cried out from the cross as his blood was sprinkling down. Father, forgive them. So wouldn't we all agree that Jesus' voice and the blood of Jesus is better than the blood of Abel? This is good news for us. God in His mercy comes to us and says, What have you done? And we have a chance to uncover our sins and to confess our sins instead of saying, I haven't done anything. I don't know what happened. We have a chance to listen to the blood of Jesus as it offers pardon for our sins. I don't know what all else Abel's blood speaks of, but it certainly spoke of guilt, of estrangement from God, estrangement from others. I don't suppose Cain went home to Adam and Eve and said, hey, I killed my brother. No, he was hiding it. He probably had a very hard time talking to Adam and Eve if he talked to them between the murder and when God met him. Abel's blood and that uh, sin on his conscience was just bothering him. He felt terrible, estranged from God and people. In fact, part of the punishment was you will be a vagabond, a fugitive, loneliness. Our sins create loneliness, separation from God, separation from others. The thief on the cross knew that loneliness, didn't he? And he reached out for help. He said, Jesus, remember me. And what did Jesus say as he was bleeding and dying on the cross? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood spoke of guilt, of estrangement from God and from others. Abel's blood and the consequences of that murder... Spoke of crop failures from the ground. I suppose his cane worked the ground and he dug thistles and he tried to fertilize and he tried to irrigate his crops and he had crop failures and he was a very successful farmer before this happened. Afterwards, life was really tough for him. Life went on. He got married, he had children, he had grandchildren. Generations went on down and the seventh from Adam through Cain's line was Lamech and that's the second murder that was recorded. And Cain was probably still living and I'm sure he remembered his murder. He maybe wondered how his life and his choices affected his great-great-great-great-grandson Lamech. And he looked at the ground and he thought about the blood of his brother and the body of his brother in the ground and he thought about the crop failures and all the trouble he had in his life because of what happened. Well, Abel's blood speaks of crop failures, of unfulfillment, of spinning our wheels, of failure. Well, I've touched a little on the blood of Jesus, but I'd like to mention four things. Some of it may be repetitious or whatever already mentioned, but we can't mention these things too much about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus speaks. Instead of guilt, it speaks of forgiveness, forgiveness of our guilt, forgiveness of our sins. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness, 1 John one nine we are cleansed by the shedding of the blood of jesus hebrews nine twelve without the shedding of blood, is no remission or forgiveness of sins. We are justified by his blood romans five nine much more now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The blood of Jesus speaks of forgiveness of our sins. The blood of Jesus, number two, speaks to us of freedom from the power of sin. We can overcome sin by the blood of Jesus, Revelations 12, 11, And they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Number three, the blood of Jesus speaks of fellowship. Instead of estrangement, we can have fellowship. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. There's so much conflict in the world, there's so much conflict in families, there's so much conflict even in our own minds. But Jesus came to bring peace to cut through the conflict and the confusion. Colossians 1.12 says, Jesus made peace through the blood of his cross. By himself, by Jesus, to reconcile all things, to put things back together, to put God and man back together, to put people back together, to reconcile all things unto himself by him. So we have freedom from our sin, forgiveness of our sins, fellowship with God, fellowship with others through the blood of Jesus. Do you hear it speaking to you today? This is good news. Well, and the fourth thing I think it's speaking, and we could, I'm sure you're adding many more things that his blood is speaking. Jesus' blood is speaking of fruitfulness instead of emptiness. Now, 1 Peter 2 says that we are redeemed not with money, Not with silver and gold, but we are redeemed. We are purchased with the blood of Jesus so that we can live a fulfilling life. Serving God, a holy life full of love toward others. This is quite an amazing passage. First Peter Chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. I'm just going to read it in the NIV. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Does that sound like barrenness, unfruitfulness? The empty way of life. The King James Version says, The vain conversation. Conversation means lifestyle in the Old English. So our life or our lifestyle is empty, unfruitful, <clears throat> outside of Christ. But with the blood of Christ, we are redeemed from the empty way of life to live a life that's full of holiness and full of love toward others. If you read the verses around before and after uh, these verses, uh, Peter makes it clear we're to live a holy life, a life free of sin and a life that's full of love toward others. A fruitful life is a life of love to God and love to others. We need to get our minds changed, don't we? We need to get our consciences changed, and the blood of Jesus can do that. Hebrews 9.14, the blood of Christ... Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The blood of Jesus wants to change our minds, change our attitudes, change our conscience, our sense of right and wrong. So that instead of living an unfruitful life, we can live a life of fruitfulness, a life where love and joy and peace and forgiveness flows out to others where we reach out to other people with acceptance and fellowship instead of estrangement. We can get all these resources through the grace and mercy of God. Hebrews talks about coming boldly to the throne of grace through prayer to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Hebrews ten nineteen says, we will come boldly into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is right there in heaven, opening the way for us, for what we need today. The blood of Jesus is still speaking today. And it's encouraging me, and I hope it has encouraged you today. Will we listen to the speaking blood of Jesus We each have a choice in that. It's up to us. If we're going to accept what's extended to us. I would like us to close this time by making a commitment. That we would listen to Jesus and his blood. And we can do this in a prayer. Sometimes it's hard to put words to a prayer. But I like how the prayer in song uh, 162 in the life song expresses it. You all know the chorus by heart. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. But this is a song, a prayer song, that talks about the blood of Jesus washing us. And I'd like, as we pray this song, that we really pay attention to the verses. The chorus we know well. And just look at the words of the verses Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want you forever to live in my soul. Break down every idol. Cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Maybe you've never prayed that prayer. You've never opened yourself up in faith to what happened on the cross where Jesus shed his blood. And he's, he's living today because he rose again through his death and his resurrection and our faith in that, believing in it that it happened for us, we can be saved. Lord Jesus, you see that I patiently wait. Come now and within me a new heart create. By faith, I see the sprinkled blood of Jesus and it's shed for me by faith for my cleansing, I see your blood flow. We've been listening to the blood and by faith we can accept it. Jesus has accepted us. He's waiting for us to accept him in faith. Jesus loves me. Do I love him? Jesus wants me. Do I want him? Jesus accepts me. Do I accept him? Jesus will change us. Verse 4 of the prayer talks about his ability to change us and create a new heart and a new person. He wants to do that for us. So whether you're coming to Jesus for the first time today or whether you're coming for a a recommitment, the important thing is that we come. And so, uh, come to Jesus. Brother Joe's going to lead us in the song, let's stand and let's sing it. And pray it prayerfully together. Amen.
1: Lord Jesus, I